0: Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPEL. 232 1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message to the KPEL app chat. And the veto underride session is underway. Did I say underride? The veto override is underway. The House is currently voting. Uh, There have been several votes so far. The House voted 70 to 27 to override the veto of Representative Kathy Edmonton's House Bill 399 to require schools with immunization requirements to notify parents that there are exemptions allowed to the requirement. It got the minimum two-thirds vote. The bill will head to the Senate. Let's see. Uh... Efforts to override the veto of Beryl Amity's digital currency bill failed 69 to 29. It needed 70 votes to pass. Another attempted override failed. It was the attempted override of House Bill 658. That that involved the disclosure of health care facilities to patients for prices of certain items and services. Uh, an effort to override the veto of Raymond Cruz's bill banning school employees from using a student's preferred name or pronouns unless they have permission from a parent fails. The House voted to override the se- the child sex uh, change bill. So House Bill 648 got the veto override vote from the house. Now it still has to go to the Senate and let's see. The house does not override Les Farnham's bill requiring a supplemental annual canvas of registered voters. That is a pretty big mistake. I'll get to that in a minute, but here's what here's uh, just going over what they voted on. So far, Uh Doty Horton's bill banning public school employees from discussing sexual orientation, that veto override failed in the house. But they did vote to override the veto of Michael Eccles' bill to protect individuals and governments from China, Cuba, Iran, North Korea, Russia, and Venezuela from owning or leasing agricultural land in Louisiana. The bill requiring more information to be released in budget bills and income forecasts, that failed, go figure. The, uh, the vote to override the veto of the bill to ban schools from requiring the COVID-19 vaccine that failed as well. So three of John Bill Edwards vetoes have been overridden by the house. They still have to go to the Senate to be overridden. So the two major bills that I want to talk about in this are of course, the child sex change bill, the gender uh, the, the transgender health care bill or whatever they're trying to uh, pass it off as. But this is the bill that bans uh, uh, child sex changes, child genital mutilation, if you want to call it that. The House has voted to override that, and six Democrats crossed over to help with that veto override. That's pretty significant. Now, Mandy Landry, Democrat, I think she's a Democrat, Mandy Landry gave a a very unhinged speech before that vote and essentially defended groomers in that one and said the only real groomers are men, which I think was kind of the point by a lot of conservatives in that a lot of what we've seen are biological men who call themselves women and then take part in predatory actions in women's locker rooms and things like that. That's that's one of the, the aspects... Uh, That we've seen and a lot of the trans stuff that has grossed out parents have been men, trans women, but men, biological men, and their behavior at drag shows and elsewhere and how inappropriate it is for kids. So what Mandy Landry is saying is actually correct. She just thinks that she's, she's standing up for the right thing and she's not. I... I said at the beginning, I don't trust or I I refuse to underestimate the legislature's ability to screw this up. And this has to go before the Senate. And I don't trust the Senate to not screw this up. I think the House had the potential to be more conservative than the Senate. But the Senate, if they vote to override that particular veto, yay for Louisiana. But the fact that it got to that point in the first place, I think, is a pretty bad thing for the state. House bill. Whatever it is, I forget. The House bill that bans child sex changes, pediatric sex change, pediatric trans care. That veto has been overridden in the House. It goes to the Senate. That was a pretty important one. That's that's a, a pretty big deal. And I, I have friends, I have progressive friends who are attacking the state of Louisiana for picking on trans kids when they don't. They, they haven't looked at the bill. They haven't looked at the issue. They just have bought into the line that this is about trying to alienate and pick on and bully trans kids, and that's not what it's about. Again, look at what's happening in Europe. In Europe, healthcare professionals there, researchers there, are saying there's no evidence that shows any of this actually helps A kid with gender uh, uh, dysmorphia. A a kid that identifies as trans. We don't know that this is actually the best thing for them. Researchers are saying that. People in the healthcare community in Europe are saying that. And the American left is like, full steam ahead. When they're doing real irrevocable harm to kids by allowing that sort of thing. And John Bell Edwards showed that he was fully on board with it he is fully on board with letting doctors mutilate children's genitals and pushing for hormone therapy that is scientifically unproven at best. And you had Republicans who were all for it too. It's pretty telling that you had six Democrats cross over to vote on that one. Because there are Democrats whose communities are also against the super far left trans stuff. There are Democrats who understand, and there are communities of Democrats who understand that kids are actually not emotionally and mentally capable of making that choice and understanding the choice they'd be making if they were to ask for that procedure. They don't. Now, the other issue here, the thing that's just as disappointing is the fact that the legislature couldn't overturn the veto of this voter, can't, this the voter roll bill. Several states have a, a, a law like that where you go through the voter rolls every so often and you clean them out. And you're not disenfranchising voters on that's That's one thing that's that's. Very annoying about this is that's how it gets attacked. It gets attacked as diminishing voting rights or whatever. You have opportunities under laws like this. To say, no, I'm still an active voter in the state. I just didn't vote in these last handful of elections. But the voter rolls are overburdened with inactive voters and they do need to be cleaned out. We saw that in New Orleans with the recall effort of Latoya Cantrell. Yes, some people wrote down cartoon characters names. But there were a lot of names that were put on those petitions. And then when they went back and checked, those people were dead. They weren't there anymore. They had to clear out a bunch of names off of the petition to recall LaToya Cantrell because those people aren't alive or they're not in the state. And Republicans could not get the votes together to override that veto. It failed by one vote. This is basic stuff. This is basic civics. Everybody has the ability to vote. If you meet the requirements, you can go vote. But if you're not an active voter and you haven't been for a while, it's very easy for somebody to assume that identity and try to go vote with it. They're not always successful, but the fact that it's possible because those names are still in the voter registry is a crying shame, and it does need to be worked on. Both sides of the political aisle get the voter fraud issue wrong. Republicans tend to overstate it, and Democrats tend to vastly understate it. There's always voter fraud. There's always some shenanigans that go on in election cycles. And laws like this, which are active in several states, are meant to keep the voter rolls as clean as possible so that you can diminish a lot of that fraud. And yet here in Louisiana, couldn't get it done. In Louisiana, they absolutely could not get it done. With Republicans like what we have going to Baton Rouge, who needs Democrats? There are enough Republicans that are running for re-election that clearly they felt the pressure to go vote here. But there are a lot of folks who could have made this not be a thing in the first place, including the people who allowed John Bell Edwards to win the governor's race in the first place. There are a lot of people who might be mad at the state of the state right now, but they're to blame because they let the pettiness of the gubernatorial races affect them. And I don't blame them for letting it affect them. It was garbage what was happening inside the Republican Party during the previous two gubernatorial races. But look at what we're stuck with as a result. Louisiana could have been making strides. And people want to say, oh, well, the the far right state of Louisiana is trash because it's a Republican. It's got a Democratic governor who has blocked a lot of what Republicans, good Republicans, have tried to get across the finish line. If the state is stagnant, if it's getting worse, it's not because the Republicans are running the state. As a matter of fact, they're not. There's a Democrat in the chief executive spot, and he is stopping a lot of the stuff that should be making the state better. And the issue of don't mutilate children should be a no-brainer. John Bill Edwards proved who he was with that veto. And there are Republicans who proved who they were when they waffled on that issue. 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message through the KPEL app chat. Let's go ahead and take this break. More on the veto override session. What could be coming up next here on The Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Hey, this is Joe Cunningham, and you're listening to the podcast version of my daily radio show. Now, if you want to listen live, all you need to do is download the KPEL News app to your phone. You can listen live every weekday from 3 to 4 p.m. and communicate with the show using the app's chat feature. So go over to your app store, download the KPEL News app, and listen to my show every day from 3 to 4 p.m. Central Time on News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Okay, so was not expecting this, but uh, Las Vegas police have executed a search warrant on a home in connection with the unsolved 1996 murder of Tupac Shakur. Finally, progress. Did not expect that in the news cycle today. Uh, Let's see, Las Vegas police... Uh, can confirm a search warrant was served in Henderson, Nevada on July 17th, 2023 as part of an, as part of the ongoing Tupac Shakur homicide investigation. We will have no further comment at this time. What in the world? What? How, what? What? Okay. I'm sorry. Anyway, that, that's very distracting. I I did not expect. I, I, I'm always nostalgic for the '90s. Did not expect the murder of Tupac Shakur to be in the cards for today. Uh, you can, oh man, that, that's that's me off. Uh, okay, so the the Veto Override session. Sorry. Um, the honestly, I, I'm extremely disappointed that the voter canvas, uh, the voter rolls bill, is not going forward. Kyle Ardwan was pushing for it. He pushed for it in the legislative session. He was pushing for it in the veto override session. And it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Uh, It's a very simple thing that the state can do to clean its voter rolls. Nobody gets disenfranchised. The voter rolls, they get purged in these instances. If somebody has been missing for a high number, if they haven't voted in a, a, a high number of voting cycles, of election cycles, Uh, And then what they do is they try to reach out to that person through whatever agency they can get a hold of contact information through, try to establish contact with that person, whether they've moved away, whether they've deceased, they're just trying to figure it out. If they don't get any contact back within a certain amount of time, then that person is removed from the voter roll. It's a pretty simple process, the way most of this works out. And it's an easy way to purge the voter rolls. Nobody actually gets hurt on it and yet the Republicans could not bring themselves to override John Bell Edwards' veto of this badly needed bill. Unbelievable. Again, I I don't understand. I don't understand why it's so hard for Republicans to do the right thing. You have the majority. You have a supermajority, and you can't get the most basic things your Republican base wants done. 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation. When we get back, Donald Trump facing another indictment. We'll talk about that and more here on The Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5, KPEL. Hey, this is Joe Cunningham, and you're listening to the podcast version of my daily radio show. Now, if you want to listen live, all you need to do is download the KPEL News app to your phone. You can listen live every weekday from 3 to 4 p.m. and communicate with the show using the app's chat feature. So go over to your app store, download the KPL News app and listen to my show every day from 3 to 4 p.m. Central Time on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. Donald Trump announced via Truth Social that Jack Smith, the special counsel in Washington, D.C., or the special investigator, his grand jury has targeted him, and he's receiving official notice and an invitation to come speak to the grand jury. The legal problems for Trump are multiplying. This afternoon, His attorneys and the federal government went to a South Florida courthouse to make their case before a federal judge to determine whether Trump will stand trial before the 2024 election. Judge Cannon will hear arguments from both sides before determining when and how the federal government's classified documents case against the president will proceed. The Trump team is hoping for a delayed trial that would be pushed beyond the 2024 election, claiming it would be impossible to get unbiased jurors in the midst of a presidential election. Special Counsel Jack Smith preemptively set an aggressive timetable for an expedited trial later this year. Trump is facing dozens of charges under the Espionage Act for retaining classified documents in his Mar-a-Lago residence. In Georgia, the Georgia Supreme Court unanimously tossed out Trump's request to shut down a Fulton County District Attorney's probe into Trump's interference in the 2020 election. Trump announced today he received a letter from Jack Smith claiming he's the target of a criminal investigation surrounding Smith's January 6th probe. This is a different probe than the Mar-a-Lago case. Originally, it seems like Smith had two grand juries in Washington, D.C. He then shut down the D.C. uh. Grand jury opened one in Florida, had that grand jury read in, and that's the grand jury that ultimately recommended the indictments against Trump. Here's the other issue Smith is working on multiple investigations. There is talk. That the January 6th investigation, that grand jury, an arm of it, was looking into campaign finance issues, which stemmed from the way it sounds that they were investigating a lot of things. They had a broad investigative scope. They found some stuff that looked shady. There's a separate arm. And now it sounds like it's going to be completely spun off into its own grand jury looking at campaign finance violations. According to word on the street, In media circles, in D.C. circles, Jack Smith is looking at some campaign finance violations where the Trump campaign appears to have paid money to a series of shell corporations. If that's true, then that is extremely reckless and self-destructive. We don't know that it's true. But the drip, 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 drip continues. The issue for Donald Trump is that after the New York indictments, Trump saw a surge in the polls. He also saw a surge in fundraising. After the Mar-a-Lago indictments, he saw a surge in fundraising. And a blip in the polls. It could very well be. We'll see in the coming. Well, there's no official indictment yet. There will be polling that is done based on this news today. And there will be polling done when the next set of indictments come out. About support for Donald Trump among Republican primary voters. At some point, and some of y'all are not going to agree with me on this. This is just my take looking at the data that we've seen so far. At some point, Trump, just like Ron DeSantis, will have hit his ceiling. There will be a lot of people who will rally around Trump as they always do. After the New York indictments, everybody left and right saw those as a joke, and Republicans were mad that the legal system was being abused that way, and they surged in support for Donald Trump. The Mar-a-Lago stuff, whether you agree that it is or isn't, had the appearance of something more serious, and so Donald Trump didn't get that boost in support that he saw after the New York indictments. But even if he hasn't hit his ceiling, there's another issue here. Donald Trump raised the second most money in the second quarter. Ron DeSantis raised $20 million. Trump raised about $17.5 million. DeSantis is in in trouble with that because most of the donors for that quarter were big donors. They have maxed out their ability to donate to Ron DeSantis. He's got to pick up his small dollar donors if he wants to keep those numbers up. His PAC is sitting on $130 million. That's great news for Ron DeSantis. Donald Trump has political action committees behind him. But the money he's raising, whether it's the PACs or whether it's Trump himself, A good portion of the money is being earmarked, it's being saved, it's being put in a rainy day jar for Trump's legal bills. That takes money off the table for campaigning. There's a reason Trump is going to Metairie for an expensive fundraiser in southeast Louisiana rather than holding rallies. Rallies are expensive. They don't break even. They are an expense. They rally your voters. They rally people around you, but you don't get donations from them. Trump has to hold fundraisers to raise money to be able to campaign and also to pay his legal bills. You'll also notice Trump hasn't been on the campaign trail a whole lot. Again, he has to conserve money if he's not spending money and if he's not out on the campaign trail, eventually some of that high support he's getting is going to fade away. Trump has two segments of his base. There are the people who are Trump advocates. And there are people who are Trump voters. Trump advocates are ride or die with Trump. It's a lot of y'all out there. I know because I hear from you every time I talk about Trump. Trump voters are persuadable. Every other campaign right now has seen data showing that that there's a group of people who support Trump right now but are persuadable if they're given the right message. And each one of those campaigns is trying to find the right message. And they're trying to find a message that will get them support among those current Trump voters, but not alienate them for being people who supported Trump. There's a way to get those voters without insulting Trump. And that's what they're looking for. They're trying to find that. Now, at the same time, Ron DeSantis has had to get rid. Sorry, Ron DeSantis has had to fire or shuffle around a lot of staff. Ron DeSantis actually has a lot of workers who were let go from his campaign, and they are going, Some many of them, going to work in the Never Back Down pack. That's the, the pack that's supporting him. He raised that $20 million. $3 million of it is already earmarked for the general election. So that leaves him with $17 million. And, like I said, keep in mind that a lot of that money comes from big donors. They've already maxed out their allowed contribution to Ron DeSantis. What's interesting is that Tim Scott is also seeing a bit of a surge in the polls, in recent polls too, and big donors are looking at Tim Scott and they're starting to give him money. Now, all of this goes back to Trump. That steady drip, drip, drip of the legal battles is going to have an impact, maybe not much. There are people who will tighten their support for Donald Trump because of the constant legal attacks. But some will hear that drip, 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 and they'll start to reconsider. Trump needs to be able to continue to raise money. And if you are a big believer in Donald Trump, then you've got to be figuring out some way to get money to Trump so that he can keep going. Because eventually with the legal battles, with the rallies he will need to keep people interested, he's going to be spending a lot more money than he might be able to bring in. None of that is to say that Donald Trump is screwed. Donald Trump there's no way he can win. I don't believe that there's no way he can't that there's no way he can win. I don't believe that. Donald Trump is still the favorite. If the election were held today, Donald Trump would be the Republican nominee. And in some polling, he's quite capable of beating Joe Biden. But the election's not being held today. It's not being held tomorrow. The first primaries start at the beginning of 2024. The first debates start then, too. The question for Donald Trump is, can he manage his resources? Can he fend off the legal battles? Can he still come out relatively unscathed in all this? And what I know some of y'all are thinking right now is you you want to call in or you want to send a message or whatever, and you want to tell me that I'm wrong, that Donald Trump will stand tall, that he will be able to beat this. And at a certain level, you are right. Donald Trump will make it through this, and a lot of his supporters will still be there. But not everyone is as devoted to Donald Trump. There are a lot of Republican voters who are very transactional. Donald Trump gave them what they wanted his first term as president. But if he looks at any point like he's not going to be able to make it through, that they will take their vote and go somewhere else? How does he hold on to them? That's going to be the question. All right, 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message through the KPEL app chat, let's take this break. We'll come back and wrap up the show here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPEL. If you're looking for more great conservative content throughout the day, why don't you head on over to my site, redstate.com. I'm a senior editor over there and I work with a lot of great conservatives putting out a lot of great news and opinion each and every day. Plus, if you use my name, Joe, as the promo code, you can subscribe with a discount to our VIP section where you'll get a ton more great content that you won't find anywhere else. Check out redstate.com Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232 1542 is the number if you want to call in or you can send a message through the KPL app chat like Billy. Billy does point out that a wet paper bag would beat Joe Biden in a fair election. And barring the birth certificate on that wet paper bag, I'm tempted to agree. Joe Biden's prospects do not look great. Now, he's sitting on a ton of money, but Democrats are getting really concerned right now because at this point in his reelection effort, uh, Barack Obama had spent about 11 to $12 million. Joe Biden spent about $1.5 million. There's not much money being spent by the Biden campaign. But part of campaigning is, again, getting out on the road, going out and, and taking these trips. And Joe Biden gets tired very easily. And the more tired he gets, the more off track he gets, and the worse he sounds on the stump. And those stump speeches are important. His babbling, his inability to show his age, all of that. Or, I'm sorry, his inability to uh, not show his age. Uh, all of that is is proving to be an, an issue for Joe Biden. And a lot of people don't seem to understand that... Biden is his own worst enemy right now. He's essentially got to run another basement campaign and just hope that the Republicans once again somehow screw this up. And never underestimate the Republican Party's ability to screw it up. I mean, we're seeing that we've seen that in our own legislature. We've seen that at the national level. The Republican Party can absolutely screw this up. Now, all of that said, I mentioned a poll earlier. I do want to note it because I find it very interesting. Tim Scott is seeing a little bit of a surge right now. According to a poll of the New Hampshire Republican primary, this comes from the University of New Hampshire, Donald Trump has dropped five points since April. He's now at 37%. Ron DeSantis is up 1% at 23%. Tim Scott has jumped over everybody else and is sitting at 8%. Not in double digits, but still a six-point growth is something to note. Also in this poll, Chris Christie is at 6%, and Doug Burgum, who is new to the race, is at 6%. Vivek Ramaswamy at five, Nikki Haley at five, Mike Pence at one, Will Hurd at one, 8% undecided. Pence right now doesn't have the fundraising numbers to make the first debate for the Republican Party. It's pretty significant. And I know a lot of folks feel that Pence betrayed Trump or whatever they want to say. I like Pence, he's a great guy, solid conservative. Solid Christian. He kind of stumbled a little bit at the Blaze Summit uh, last week. Some of his words were kind of taken out of context. But he still stumbled a bit. Tim Scott, though. I'm telling you, a lot of folks are looking at Tim Scott and they're thinking, well, if not Ron DeSantis, maybe this guy. And it's because of Tim Scott's story and it's because he brings hope. And I don't, I don't, again, I would love for it to be Tim Scott. I mean, if you had to ask me right now, I'd probably vote for Tim Scott. But I don't see the path for him, particularly with Ron DeSantis still in the race. Now, if DeSantis or Trump craters, completely different story. Don't see it really happening, though. But the surge is interesting. All right, you guys have a fantastic day. I will see you again in 23 hours, or at least talk to you again in 23 hours. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, email joe at redstate.com. The podcast is going to go up in a couple minutes, so just uh, if you get the podcast daily, you miss any part of the show, go check that out. And by the way, when you listen to the podcast, leave a rating, leave a review, that helps get the podcast in front of more eyes on those podcast services. You guys have a great day. Shannon is off sides, and he is up next here on News Talk 96.5. KPEL, you guys have a great one.